tuned in to the Profit Link Up. Welcome to the Profit Link Up, your community connection to small businesses in the Memphis area. I'm John, along with Corey, and we're your hosts today. And our guest today is Corrine Knight of Grecian Gourmet. Welcome, Corrine. Hey. Well, what led you to establish the Grecian Gourmet? So we actually, my mom, myself, my stepdad, we started at Farmer's Markets almost seven years ago. Wow. Um, it was really kind of like something that was just going to be for fun. We really didn't expect it to be become what it was. Um, the St. Jude Farmer's Market, because my mom was a nurse at St. Jude. That was our very first farmer's market. Okay. And because they do one every Friday. That was the first thing that we did. And then we got into all of the farmer's markets. Um, downtown Agri Center and Cooper Young, as well as a market that they used to have in Overton Park. So we were doing all of those and then added on retail within that same year. So Super Low, Miss Cordelia's, Curb Market, those were our first three retail locations. Okay. Um, and it just kind of kept escalating, basically. It just kept going. Well, well, tell me a little bit about your product and what you what you do and what you provide. So we have we are Greek food and right. we have a retail line, which is a big part of what we do. Um, pita chips, classic hummus, red pepper hummus, feta dip, frozen meals, so spanakopita, pastizo, musica. It's all handmade. Um, we, and we try to get everything like locally when we can. Like for our labels, for example, we get them from um, a local like label maker downtown. We get our eggplant for musica from a farm farmer at the farmer's market when he has it. And so it's like all those little pieces are really important to us. And I feel like it makes the more that we're involved in that, it helps us as well, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. Now, do you have Greek heritage or does somebody in your family have yes. Greek heritage? Yes. So or? these are actually all of my family recipes. Um, my dad is Greek. My grandfather came over from Greece in the 30s. And this is just... This is basically what we did growing up, like every holiday, every birthday, anything. There were, you know, 60 to 90 people in and out of our house all day. I made oh, my wow. first baklava <laughs> when I was like in elementary school. It was like, come on, let's figure it out. And it was just one of those things that and even some of my friends I was close with, they're like, I didn't even realize that this was. And I was like, well, yeah, it was just. Tons of, tons of Greek people in and out of our house all day for any holiday, anything. So a, a full heritage of hospitality. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. This pretty much came natural to you. This is just second nature. <laughs> a little bit, largely. It's just, I don't know. It's something that we, we've done for so long and it was like for fun. And then we just... It just escalated. Like it became a lot more than what we thought it would, a lot faster. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I know you're in a number of, uh, of of retail outlets now. What are some, what are some of the the uh, retail outlets where people can find um, you? South Point Grocery, High Point Grocery, Curb Market in Crosstown, Miss Cordelia's in Harbortown, Katie's Kitchen in Germantown, Curbside Casserole in East Memphis, um, Super Low, Buster's. I feel like I'm drawing a blank. There's a few others. <laughs> um, yeah, and the idea is to be in even more. Well, ideally. That's phenomenal. What what amazing growth! That what what is what has really uh, instigated the the huge growth for you? Um, honestly, I don't 
I could, I don't know. Like, I wish that I knew. Um, I think a lot of it is just that we were in a handful of them for so long. We kind of became an established brand that people knew downtown. Mm -hmm. And then other people who didn't, who worked downtown, but lived further out, they were like, I would like to have my products in here. That's kind of what happened with like curbside casserole. Basically, there were a lot of people who lived in East Memphis Mm -hmm. who maybe were not as close to the super low one spots would but we're closer to Bradford out at curbside casserole right and asked if she would carry some items and that it's kind of like that that's just kind of how it happened um same thing with high point grocery we have a really good relationship with them so mm-hmm. when they were opening south point grocery they were like hey we want to carry as much of your stuff as we possibly can especially in the deli so even things that we don't necessarily sell and package we sell to them wholesale so like tabbouleh we sell it to them by the pound i give them the stickers and i'm like however y'all want to weigh it out that's up to you. But and, <laughs> and so I think it's just keeping those good relationships and then just being focused on having a great product. So how do you choose what items you want to put on your menu? How do you guys come across those? On our restaurant menu? Yeah. Or, so a lot of, so what our base restaurant menu was, was to have a handful of just like core Greek items. You have a lot of Mediterranean restaurants in Memphis, but you really don't have any that are only Greek. Um, like people will come in and it's like they'll want falafel or they'll want things that are not necessarily what we do. Right. And like Greek tabbouleh is different than Syrian tabbouleh. It's a bulgur base versus a parsley base. There's a lot of things about Mediterranean food that vary by the region. And a lot of people just think it's like this umbrella of the same thing. <laughs> right. I like, would be one of those people. You know, I would not know the difference. You know, like our pastizo is different than like a diff- even a different region of Greece's pastizo. Like in different, like for Musica's, some areas, and it was really what was available regionally. Um, some areas they put potatoes with the eggplant as a layer, but my family never did that. And so it's not something that we do. And so, I mean, that's really wanted to have core things that you couldn't really get anywhere else um, and make that available to people. What's one of your favorite things on the menu? Um, Spanakopita domades are definitely my two favorites. It's what I always tell people to try. They're the things that I have always eaten my entire life. And just Katopita is on our catering menu. Um, And it's probably hands down my absolute favorite thing. It's like a Greek chicken pot pie. It's Mm. so good. It's just like the definition of like holiday food. It's awesome. Hmm. Well, what determines uh, the offerings that you that you put in retail stores in? Um, Most of it largely is the handful of things that we started with. And then what we could add on as far as how many barcodes we had. For a while, we were just limited by how many barcodes. And so we picked the handful of things that we knew we could do the most, that we were already doing really well. And because it's a whole process with TDA and USDA. It's our kitchen is treated the same way, as far as USDA is concerned, um, as no different than somewhere that processes raw chicken. We, I mean, my, our USDA binders, are gigantic. There's three of them. It's just layers and layers of documentation. Um, they had to sign off on our labels and our stickers. And we had like a 
year-long audit process. It's a lot goes into selling something with meat into a grocery store that you are making yourself. And so it was really focusing on the things that we did really well and did the most of, getting those labels made, getting that approval, and then adding on other things as we go. Cool. Very cool. Well, uh, what uh, what advice would you give to somebody that was starting out in that process? Um, I... Honestly, I would tell people to as much as the USDA and TDA reps seem scary, they are your biggest assets. Um, Anything that you have a question about or unsure about, they will talk you through. They really want you to understand the reasons behind you're doing certain things and not just why. It's you can make your own like SOP. So you can make your own like standard operating processes, but whatever is on paper, that you have that is what you follow and you have to make sure that all of those things that you have in there are available and i mean our inspector mr wright he was so helpful through from start to finish um i probably would have been very confused Without yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think so many people get in, feel like it's an adversarial relationship instead of a, to a certain degree, a partnership that, that they want to see you do well. They want you to do well. They want the public to have good options and healthy and healthily uh, provided options. Uh, and they want to help you through. And there's a lot of programs out there that, that cost nothing. You don't need uh, advisors or this sort of thing through there because the government will provide them. For oh, exactly. I mean, the for TDA. So Tennessee Department of Agriculture, if you want to start going down that route, that's everything that's not meat. That's everything else. Um, the Our inspector for our region, he's super nice. And he's like, hey, if you need extra kitchen space or you need help with this or if you want to streamline your documentation process, here's this and these resources. And like you said, they're free. Like you just have to seek it out and kind of take the initiative on it. So I'm curious. At being in the restaurant industry the way that you are, what are some of like the challenges that you've faced so far, like that that have just really been like knocking you down and like what inspires you? How do you get back up when you've been knocked down? Because I know you have to fight those things. <laughs> the biggest challenge, quite honestly, is has been the always balancing both of them and doing both of those things really well. We want the restaurant to be amazing and we want retail to be amazing. Um, and probably the biggest thing that I have run into since I have taken over because like my dad, my stepdad, my mom and I, we were partners. And so we always had the three of us in some manner. Um, when they stepped back and I took full ownership, it was just me. And it was this like, am I making the right decisions? Is this the best thing? And we were in the middle of COVID. And so it was really hard to find somebody and train them and to know that they could be ready to manage, like to make them a second me, essentially, when things were so up and down and not in any way what we recognized our restaurant and business to be. Um, So that was a really hard part. Always just trying to find that other person. And I was just, I didn't really. I didn't ever really find them. Um, And because I will say, I 
have a very, I guess, high standard in how I want things to be. I'm very big on everything ex- is exactly the same every single time. Um, I want the hummus that you buy in our store to be the exact same hummus that you ate in this restaurant. The chips to be the same. It's all exactly the same. And any deviation in that just cannot happen. Well, you're a restaurant owner. I mean, that makes yeah. that makes perfect sense. You know, you want the quality to be the same across the board. Yes. So, I mean, that, that tracks. But you took over during COVID? So, yeah. So, we... I, so I was pregnant 2020, end of 20, August 2020, um, when I was like six months pregnant, my stepdad was like, hey, do you want to start this transition process now? If we were always going to do it at five years, but we're like, let's do it at four. And I was like, well, sure. I mean, what, what, what's one more thing at this point, you know? And um, I was like, it's fine. We can, um, yeah, let's do it. And so we started um, when I got back from maternity leave in April, they pretty much backed out entirely. And I took that half of, I guess, 2021 from April to December to really do it on my own. And then I was for real doing it on my own starting January of this year. You have a COVID baby. I do. I have a COVID baby. And he acts like a lot of other COVID babies. (laughs) (laughs) What's it it like trying to juggle uh, between being, uh, being super mom and super businesswoman and, uh, and that sort of thing. How do you, how do you find the elusive balance if there is any such thing? Um, Well, there's just not. I mean, truthfully, I feel um, I feel like if you are like doing really great in one area, you're probably not doing as well somewhere else. You can't give 100 percent to everything all the time. Um, And that's when I had to like take a step back and I made the decision last year to not do Sundays anymore because I was at the restaurant literally every single day. We're closed on Monday, but Monday is when we do most of our retail production. And so it's all of the pieces of everything. It's like people just saw us there or saw our stuff out, but it's like there are people who physically have to cut this bread and bake them and then bag these chips for them to be at the store to you. Someone has to label every single lid that goes on these take and bake containers. And it was all the little pieces. And um, we just slowly made, I guess, better lifestyle choices for ourselves. Kind of like, Tried to set some boundaries. Don't have very many boundaries at the moment. Um, (laughs) Basically living there. But we did make the decision to not be a restaurant anymore. We're really just going to focus on our retail and catering, which is a huge part of what we do. Um, We have an off-site catering every Wednesday that at, um, I'm not allowed to say where it is. I wish I could, but they have like a very strict social media policy. Um, But they... They have always been huge supporters of us. And when they asked if we would come to them because it's hard for their employees to leave campus, we were more than happy to do that. Um, Especially when Wednesday is the, if you work downtown or are downtown in any way, you know that Wednesday is dead on downtown. Like Wednesday downtown is dead. There's nobody there. (laughs) (laughs) That is the day everybody universally wants to work from home. (laughs) So speaking of social media, I guess this is pretty much a good time to kind of you know, plug yourself, like where are you guys located? What's your, you know, what's your social media? How do people find you? So right now we're on 412 South Main. We will be a restaurant down there until the end of November. 
So our last day as a restaurant on South Main will be the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Um, but, but we'll always keep everyone updated and on our Instagram, which is at Grecian Gourmet, Instagram and Facebook. Our website is the Grecian Gourmet. Um, and I always post everything there. I try to always keep everything up to date. Because um, when you try to, you can try to update Google or Yelp, but it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't like automatically. Right. People will say, oh, you were, it said that you were open. It's like, well, I did that there's two days lag, ago. Lag, yeah. yeah, there's a lag that I wish I could control, but I can't. But always our socials. Grecian Gour- the Grecian Gourmet is our uh, website and at Grecian Gourmet is for our Instagram and Facebook. Do you guys have a phone number for people to call just in case they came into... 901-249-6626 is our phone number. And then you can always email us, Gourmet at Gmail. I pretty much will always email you back within 30 minutes, just letting you know that I saw it. Might not deliver what you want at that moment, but I'm going to let you know that I saw it. <laughs> Which is great because that way people can always get in touch with you, especially if they come from out of town and actually want to try out something that's, you know, from Memphis. They're like, oh my God, I can get Grecian food in Memphis? Hold up. This is where I got to go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's the idea. And it's been really great. I mean, we have been able to, before COVID, it was honestly, even though it was exhausting, it was really fun. And we had a ton. I mean, we had 16 employees and you had at any point in time, there were generally 10 to eight people on shift. And if you've ever been into our restaurant, it's a small space. Um, But it was like line out the door. People were getting their food and then just waiting for a seat to open up. And there was like I would we could not do reservations for lunch. We would turn off all online ordering because there was just so much business and it's hard to even describe it to people like how it used to be because it's it's just not that way anymore and it just became kind of exhausting it's so funny to think about the old ways of how we used to do things yes it's almost like pre 9/11 how we used yes, to walk into an airport just go to your flight things are fine oh i know i used to it's funny you say that me and my brother were talking about that um because i my uncle lived in Boston, and so I would just fly by myself when I was, like, seven. And I just you <laughs> think about it, you know? You just, like, walk in. You have your little chaperone that's maybe with you, and you made it. I watched the 90s, <laughs> I watched the 90s movies, and I'm just like, God, they just don't even know. Right? <laughs> it is. That's how it feels. It's just hard to describe to, some, to like, my newer employees just – what it used to be like. And it's amazing how fast it shifts. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Yes. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And and the and the buying habits and that sort of thing. Bars are having a, an interesting challenge is as people when they were locked away for COVID got out of the habit of drinking as much uh, frequently because it wasn't a social activity anymore. And so now it's a bigger lean towards mocktails and this sort of thing than it, than it used to be. And that it's totally changed the revenue streams and the, and the, uh, the nighttime habits of, of customers and that sort of thing as well. Oh yeah. I think just people's behavior and trends just changed more than we like realize or kind of want to acknowledge. But, um, I do believe that a lot of, especially downtown, like they will make it. People who can hold on and want to remain a restaurant or remain a bar, they can make it. Um, There's so many hotels going up and apartments and condos. But for me, I just looked up and 
was like, do I want to do what I'm doing right now for another five years? Or do I want to take this opportunity to grow the retail side and have more of a life? Um, I was kind of like, you know, I'm creating life moments for everybody else and not having any of my own. And it's, you know, you you can't be everything to everybody. If we were just the restaurant, it would be completely different. But we're not. And the catering and the retail is ultimately, I feel like, the better choice to lean into for us. Well, this will be a great time to take a break. And when we get back, we'll, we'll talk more with Corrine about what the future plans are, what, uh, what long-term growth looks like, and, and uh, how, how some of those pivots are, are managed and what pivots one might foresee on the horizon. So we'll be back in just a moment. This is Corrine Knight of Grecian Gourmet. I want to give an amazing thank you to the Profit Link and the Profit Link Up for the opportunity to share myself, my story, and to spread the word of our business with our audience. If you want some good eats, come down to see us at 412 South Main and follow us on all of our social media platforms at Grecian Gourmet. Um, jump Facebook and Instagram. Our email is greciangourmet at gmail.com. Our website is the greciangourmet.com. And our phone number is 901-249-6626. We look forward to serving you this week. Go Greek. We're back with the Profit Link Up. We're here with Corrine Knight of Grecian Gourmet. And we'd like to pick up our conversation where we left off and kind of talk a little bit about growth and and, uh, where you foresee uh, your business going from here. Yeah. So we are really excited um, to grow into the larger retail market. Um, I have, like I said earlier, I've joked for a long time that we didn't do all of this to only be in 14 stores locally. Um, the idea is to grow into Whole Foods, Kroger, outside of Memphis, to places Jackson, Nashville, Oxford, um, have like better pairings with people that we already have good retail relationships with and grow on that. Um, also growing our catering. It's a big part of what we do. Um, we would love to continue and do more of that. So at what point would you have to consider a co-packer then? Um, I, I would probably look at a co-packer once we get bigger, I would say, but I really want to for these next five years. Um, keep it as local as I possibly can. Sure. Um, a lot of the co-packers are for are outside of Memphis. Right. Um, and so I just want to keep it all as local as I can for the time being. Well, it sounds like you're such a stickler for quality too. Yes, and, and that as well. It, it's, it's hard to be able to pass that baton onto somebody else and mm-hmm. trust them to uh, put the same uh, love and care into it that you do. Yes, very much so. So uh, you you envision it growing like that. What percentage of your business would you say is catering right now? Um, Roughly 30% of our business is catering. Um, It's not a side that, and I will be the first to admit that we do not market that well. We don't. A lot of like what we do is word of mouth or just standing caterings. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is a huge part of what we do. And We'd love to do it. So for the clients that you got, how they've just they've just found out because they're at the restaurant and just happened to ask? Or? Some of them. Um, some of them are from some 
it's hard because I can't like our biggest ones. Like I'm not allowed to actually like share where they are, who they are, like what we do with them. Um, but some of them are basically from close relationships that we have personally with okay. people. Um, people who knew us and ate in the restaurant and loved our food and were like, do you do catering? Well, this is something that we do on campus here. Would you like to be a part of it? Or um, what I can talk about, I mean, like AutoZone, for example, we have some people who work for AutoZone that we have done big caterings like at their homes for their end of year parties and all of those kind of things just from buying our hummus at the store, seeing that like the address on the label, coming to the restaurant, and then it was it all kind of funneled into one another in different ways. Well it's funny too, it goes it shows how many elements as a business owner you've got to manage. You've got to be thinking about what does this label look like? Not just does it have the right ingredients, do we meet our USDA uh, requirements, but are we branding ourselves and marketing ourselves in the right way as well so that we're opening up these opportunities for for either other places to carry us, for catering opportunities, for that sort of thing, or for somebody to be familiar with the brand that might be downtown at the moment and, and want to stop by and grab by tea. Oh yeah, exactly. It's it's thinking about all of that. Where can they reach us? How can they reach us? How can they know what we are doing? What's the biggest challenge for you marketing? Um, the biggest challenge probably is that we have not done any like real marketing ever. Like we have done small pieces and, you know, like edible or the Memphis flyer, but we have not done any full scale marketing because mm-hmm. we have been pretty successful from just getting people to tap, like just to try our food. And then it just like, Oh, you can buy it here or you can get it there. Like people, when they, they say like, Oh, I love to like, I live out East. I hate the yard so far. It's like, well, if you live in East Memphis, super low and curbside casserole are two places <laughs> you can get our products. And they're like, Oh no way. And so I think we probably just don't market as well in the traditional marketing that we just don't really do it. And so it's, it's a challenge, but it's also, it was a decision that we made really early on to not do any big real marketing for a while Mm -hmm. to just see, really to see like, can we grow with just people liking who we are and our food? Right. How's that been coming for you so far? Um, It's done pretty well. You know, we, we are a small, it's a small space and there's a lot that comes out of that space. Um, and I don't think that people really realize that every single thing that you eat or that you get from us, it's made in that kitchen on South Main, every single piece of it. Um, so if you're in our restaurant, you, and you saw that you think about it, or you see the amount of food made on a Monday that leaves to go to retail, you will be a little bit surprised that you've got the same four people doing all of that. I I think it helps a lot to be able to uh, somewhat bootstrap initially to be able to look at how can we get the most production for the least number of square feet. I think so many people start with the idea of we'll grow into this rather than let's grow out of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I like that you guys have been able to do that, grow your business and grow out of a space rather than have far too much for what your needs were. Yeah, the idea, we've always been uh, pretty conservative with everything. I mean, my decision, like we're in no way necessarily doing terrible as a restaurant. Mm-hmm. We, we could probably, if I 
wanted to stick it out to wait for things to be built downtown and things to really kind of be back because I was telling myself for a long time, um, we've got, I really want to see what the summer of 2023 looks like Mm -hmm. because I really didn't even think that this summer would be a good look as what people were only just now in the back into the office. Some shows were still not going. You still had shows completely shut down because of COVID games stopped because of COVID. And so I felt like getting through this year would be a better trajectory. Um, but really, coming up on signing that lease and then wanting to do it again, it was the more conservative decision to take a step back and say that we should lower our overhead for a little bit and not, not let the restaurant potentially drain what is a viable brand. Um, and that it was a really hard decision. I have watched my numbers since March. I have, I mean, constantly to do a lot myself. Um, like I do all of our basic accounting. My stepdad was a CFO of a multinational and he taught me how to do, you know, That's it's very helpful. Um, he taught me how to do some general, like, basic accounting and trends to watch out for and things. And, you know, I've done all of our ordering and things for, I mean, since we opened really. So I can look at something just looking at the price list and I know that it's more expensive than it used to be just by looking at it. So it's something that I've never wanted to really hand over to anybody else for the time being, because I can immediately look at it without comparing and knowing that like, okay, I need to look here or look there. And it was just this constant balance of all of these different pieces and the restaurant piece of it was the biggest hassle. Um, a friend of mine who owns Peace and Grace, Christina McCarter, she was like, she's like, you know, she's like, I don't doubt that you were going to read the, be the Greek Stouffer's. She's like, you <laughs> take a step back. And, you know, because I tell them all, like a lot of my friends, I was like, aside from being tired, like I want to, how can we make the brand as best as possible, but not be working 80, 90 hours a week? Like, how can we do that? And ultimately it was removing the restaurant piece, removing the full service restaurant piece allows us to focus on better packaging, better branding, um, better labels, just all of it. Instead of looking at every single piece, all of these different pieces. It, it, it takes a lot of yeah, chaos out of it. It's system. a lot of juggling. Yeah. Well, and I think introducing some predictability is 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 so important that that you can staff according to here's what we need to produce, uh, and you sort of know your orders ahead of time for the most part. Oh yeah. Versus, uh, I wonder how uh, it's a rainy day today. That means uh, it'll turn out to be slow. But I needed to staff as if it weren't. Oh, exactly. That's the other side of it. That has just been so hard through COVID. I mean, everybody who like has been in the service industry knows um, it has been almost impossible to get staffing back to what you had previously had it. If you like look at any of like the service industry groups, I mean, it is hiring, hiring. Every single person is hiring for almost every piece, front of house, back of house, hostess, bartender. Everybody needs people. And we're all competing for this same pool of people right. in which, to be honest, my personal opinion is a lot of them left and are never coming back. Um, if you were like a lifetime server or bartender and you have done that for a very long time and all of a sudden you had no job and you also did not have health insurance, you realize how precarious your situation was. Yep. And 
I can't blame them. I mean, I think that's sure. the thing. It's like a lot of this stuff is like really unfortunate, but I think a lot of people ultimately had to make the decision that was best for themselves. And uh, well, yeah, we're in the same boat. chances to get off the, the gerbil wheel, if you will. Oh, uh, yeah. In, I in mean. And for both the, the, the workers and sometimes the owners, too, to sort of say, okay, I've been doing this because this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Is this what, but it's sort of time to reflect, is this what we should be doing? Exactly. Like, this is what we do, but it's what we should be doing. I think that is like a really good way to put it. Um, I mean, like, because I even obviously, our lunch is not what it used to be, but I cannot blame people who live further out close to where I live because mm-hmm. I live in Eads. And so I know what days are going to be busy by the traffic when I'm getting on 385. And I can't blame people who were having to like get up at four to like, because I understand because I do a lot of this, like getting up, going to the gym, come back or like go to the gym or go run, whatever, come back, get your kids ready, um, get your kids and yourself ready, get them to school and then be downtown by 830. Do all of that. Like, Taking, removing such a big piece. And be at your best. Yeah. And then, and then and then do it again in the afternoon. Like have another one out, 45 minutes to an hour drive home in the afternoon. You yeah. can't blame people for being like, you know what? If I can only do that two days a week, I'm only going to do that two days a week. I, I can't fault them for it. It's, I don't know that I would want to do it every day. I mean, obviously I don't want to do it every day. (laughs) So with all of these challenges, because my God, you you have been fighting the gamut, lady. What (laughs) what inspires you to keep going when you you get knocked down like this? Like it's so many things you have to you have to fight through. What keeps you going? Um, I think really is I don't I don't see it as an option to not. More than anything, it's just not an option to give up or not do it. Um, You know, I have two little boys and they both, aside from like, they love this food. For my oldest, he has known like his whole life. This is like what he's known. It's me doing this. And they, uh, just them you know, my family and just that there there truly is no other option than to make it work and build it. And so I was just, I just want to do it even better than what we have been. Classic Greek stoicism, yeah. love of family. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in the company in 10 years? Um, ideally, we are a lot bigger than where we are. Um, we are in a lot of groceries, a lot more grocery stores, bigger chains, but also still a really big part of the fabric of Memphis. Um, Ideally, I would, if we ever have to go to like big full scale production, I always want to keep that in this city. Like I don't ever want to have like a packer in Nashville or have something made. It's this, I want to keep it as close as possible, but I also want to build something amazing. Cool. Well, that sort of leads us to where we typically uh, 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 shore up with everybody, which is what makes the Grecian Gourmet uniquely Memphis? Um, I would say just who we are. Honestly, we are all about myself and my husband. We were born and raised in this city. All of these recipes are family recipes. Um, and it's we have like a big dedication to this local economy. And I think that's, that's it. 
I love that. No, I think it is. I think it's, a, again, family seems to be a theme as we talked uh, even before the podcast started and, and run straight through. It's 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 family, it's hospitality, and it's a, it's an expansion of family. It's not just the, the inner nucleus of your family, which is obviously nearest and dearest to your heart, but the your you see family as an extension. You see the community you serve, the the customers who come in as, as family as well. Oh, exactly. It's we always joke that everyone who came into the restaurant or bought our products got like a piece of our home because our menu and everything is so tight. Every single thing that people purchase is something that we just made at our house growing up. So I love it. So it's basically like we're getting a little piece of your home every time we take a bite. Exactly. (laughs) You were part of the we're part of the family. Absolutely. That's what makes us uniquely Memphis. We're all together. It's a community. Very cool. We want to thank our guest, Green Knight of Grecian Gourmet. Visit Grecian Gourmet for best Greek food in Memphis. Located at 412 South Main Street, Memphis, Tennessee, 38103. Are available on Uber Eats, Grubhub, and also available in a number of retail locations that will be expanding moment by moment. We hope. Because that is the idea, we hope. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all.